0: You all my worship. I will give you all... This morning, I will share with you the final lesson of this sermon series on 1 Timothy that we have been calling Everyday Discipleship. We've talked throughout the last several weeks about the kinds of activities that should comprise or that should characterize our everyday lives. So we've talked about praying every day and staying focused on Jesus every day and choosing contentment every day and so on and so forth. And today, we're talking about fighting the good fight every day. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, Paul writes to Timothy, says to Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith. And I need this reminder. And I think we all need this reminder. The fact that contending for the faith. And just keeping the faith. Requires training. And effort. And hard work. It's a fight. It's a fight to stay in the faith. Now Paul is mixing some metaphors here. The word fight, this idea in in the original language in the Greek, can refer to an athletic contest. And it can also refer to waging warfare. And so let's think about that in our terms. As we consider our faith every day, we as Christians step into the arena, prepared to compete. We as disciples of Christ every day, suit up for battle, ready to wage warfare in the name of our Father in heaven. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy here, and it's important for us to to remember that Timothy had a real fight on his hands in Ephesus. That is where Timothy is serving as a minister of the gospel among the church in the city of Ephesus. And in that place, he's really up against it. He is waging warfare on many different fronts. The good fight of faith. Certainly involved the fight against false teaching. We've talked about this. On a few occasions in this sermon series. It is a big theme. Of this letter. We know that there were those among the Christians. In Ephesus. That were teaching ideas that were counter to the gospel. And we. Learn a little bit more about what was being taught in First Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Uh, Paul says, the Spirit says that some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons, people who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving. And so, it seems like this false teaching we've mentioned before had a Jewish flavor to it, and it was also... It was more restrictive in some ways than the gospel. Uh, It bound where God did not bind. And so Timothy, in his fight for the faith, had to had to spar against false teachers and unsound doctrine. There was also the fight against paganism. Ephesus was a hub for the worship of false gods. And we learn in Acts chapter 19 that when Paul first rolls into Ephesus, that one of the the big problems that that quickly developed after he arrived was the issue of the worship of of Artemis, uh, who was one of the big goddesses in the ancient world. And in fact, Ephesus was the capital of of the worship to this goddess. It was the home of... Of the grand temple of Artemis. Which was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. And it was also big business. In Ephesus. And we read in Acts chapter 19. That there was a certain silversmith. Who was making these little idols. These uh, figurines. uh, That he would sell. Before the temple of, of Artemis. And Paul had come into town saying. Hey these gods are not really gods. And this upset him and some of the other craftsmen and they gathered a mob together and started chanting great as Artemis of the Ephesians. And it became a dangerous environment for Paul and he had to leave town. Well, we shouldn't think that this idol worship that was just embedded in the culture of the city of Ephesus had gone anywhere by the time Timothy arrives on the scene and is ministering in this city. Among the Christians there, certainly this was something he had to fight against in his fight for the faith. And then also there was a government, the Roman Empire specifically, that was becoming increasingly hostile to the faith. And so Timothy had a he had a fight on his hands as he tried to minister, as he tried to declare the gospel in the city of Ephesus. And we've got a fight on our hands too, don't we? As we contend for the faith in the 21st century. In our country, in the year 2020, we are up against it. We face widespread immorality in our country. Sexual immorality, of course. Varying degrees of it. Violence on the streets. Grave injustices that are deeply embedded in our culture, like abortion. Racial prejudice persists. And there is crudeness around every corner, and vulgarity, and just downright cruelty and meanness that is popularized by celebrities, by government officials. By people online. On social media. And it's often routinely excused. And just sort of swept under the rug. And overlooked by us. There is rising secularism. And disinterest. In Christianity. And the faith in Christ. Has been exchanged by many for political ideologies. And philosophies. Some of which look somewhat similar to Christianity, but they are distortions of it. And then, of course, there is worldliness and materialism and greed. We talked about this last week. An obsession with making more money so that we can buy more stuff. All of these cultural factors that affect our preaching of the gospel, we are up against it. We have a fight on our hands as we contend for the faith in Christ, as we ourselves try to keep our faith. And so I'm thankful that in this passage, the last passage that we are considering in 1 Timothy, in this series, I'm thankful that Paul tells us both how and why we fight the good fight of faith. He tells us how... With a series of action verbs. And I want you to check these out with me, and I've got them up on the screen for your benefit. He says in chapter 6, verse 11, As for you, O oh man of God, this is Paul to his son in the faith, to his protege, to his child, he often calls him, You, O oh man of God, flee these things. Flee. And he's talking in context here about. The desire to be rich. The love of money. That's what Paul had just talked about. In the previous section. But we of course. Could expand the list. Of temptations and sins. From which we should flee. In fact in 2nd Timothy. Paul tells Timothy. Timothy you need to flee from youthful passions. And Paul tells the church in Corinth. In 1st Corinthians chapter 6. You need to flee sexual immorality. And so. You need to keep this word in mind, flee. We are not to walk up to the line, to, to the edge of the canyon of sin and iniquity and, and see how far we can get up to the edge before we fall over. We are to run in the opposite direction. Sin and temptation are no joke. And it's not something to, to flirt with, it's not something to, you know, sort of you lightly or dabble in paul says flee he says run away from these things but then in verse 11 he says you need to pursue righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness gentleness so there's some things you need to run away from flee and there's some things you need to run after You need to pursue right living. You need to pursue a lifestyle that conforms to godliness. A strong faith. A selfless, sacrificial love. Steadfastness. Endurance. Perseverance. And then, gentleness. There ought to be a warmth about you. You should behave gently and with kindness towards people around you. So flee these things. Pursue these things. And then he says... Take hold of the eternal life. This is verse 12. Of course, we know that the gift of eternal life is given to us graciously by our God in heaven through our faith. But it is something that we must seize, that we must grab onto and never let go. And we grab onto it with a a, a particular response. We, of course, have to believe, but we also make the good confession That's what Paul talks about in this passage. He reminds Timothy of the good confession in Christ that he made before several witnesses. We know we must confess the name of Christ and turn from our sins and be baptized so that those can be washed away. Yes, eternal life, salvation is a gift from God. But Paul reminds us here, it is one that we must take hold of. And then finally, Paul says, keep the commandment, verse 14. Keeping a few down. Keep the commandment. What does he mean by that? He just means, as he's speaking to Timothy here, you need to just keep, retain everything that you have been charged to do as a Christian. Don't neglect any of it. Hold on to it. Keep it. So that's how. But he also tells us why. How we fight the good fight and the reason. That we continue to get up day in, day out, and keep fighting. He tells us in the second part of verse 14, after after he has said, keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach, watch this, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep fighting, because Jesus is on his way. Because Jesus will reappear. Because Jesus is coming back. So don't give up. Keep up the fight. Verse 15, which he will display. Jesus will uh, reappear at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords. Let's just finish this out with verse 16. Who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. What a beautiful image. Whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So we fight the good fight. We flee from sin. We pursue righteousness and godliness and all the rest. We take hold of eternal life and we keep the commandment because we serve a glorious God. Who has in store for us a glorious future. As Paul said in Titus chapter 2, we wait For our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we're waiting on. That's what we are eagerly anticipating. That's what we are fighting for. And so we get up every morning and we fight on. Not only against the external forces that challenge our faith, the ones that I mentioned earlier, the immorality and the violence and the crudeness and the secularism and the worldliness. All of that which runs counter to strong faith in Christ, of course, we're waging the war on that front, but we are also every day. We are fighting against ourselves. Are we not? We are fighting against discouragement. Listen. This is a daily battle for me. Especially in the last few weeks and months. This is a challenging time. In many ways, but for the church, for our church, it's a challenging time. And I so easily can get down and out about how things are going. And I so hate how this virus and the response to it has affected the church. It it upsets me. Kind of makes me mad. It breaks my heart. A lot of days, I, I, you know, I just get up and I say, it is what it is. We're just going to keep at it. We're going to keep serving. We're going to keep working. And we're going to trust in God because I know he's got a plan here. And I know he's going to bring about good from all this because that's what he does. That's the business that he's in. But some days, it's much harder than that. And so I battle, and maybe you do too, against discouragement. And I battle against apathy. Against complacency? Do we have Christians battling against apathy and, dare we say, laziness during this time? I mean, it just seems like a lot of people have said, let's put our service to the Lord on hold until the pandemic is over. Well, we don't have that luxury. I mean, maybe our service changes, but we... we, we dare not put our service to God uh, in his kingdom on the shelf. We got to keep working. We got we to figure out a way to adapt if that's what we need to do. But we cannot sideline our service in the kingdom of God. We've got we've to keep after it. We've got to fight against discouragement and against apathy. And of course, against temptation. Against the schemes of the devil which so easily ensnare us. And we're fighting against those things, but we're also fighting in these difficult days for our marriages. And we're fighting for the hearts of our children. And we're fighting for the righteousness of our nation. We cannot stop the fight. We cannot stop fighting every day. We've got to get up and don the full armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6. And every day we've got to aim to be good soldiers for Christ. That's what Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy. And every day we've got to get up and run the race before us. Hebrews chapter 12. And every day we must put on our boxing gloves to spar with the evil one. I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is. Am I still in the fight? I'm just afraid that some have left the fight. They've left the fight. I mean, look around. Where are some of the people who were with us faithfully in February of this year and before? Now, I know where some of them are, some of them are elderly. And they're concerned about the virus. And I understand that. And I respect that. It's a, it's a tricky thing. And I'm not saying that church attendance is the only or, or true mark of faithfulness as a Christian. But it certainly is part of living a faithful life. Is it not? Being committed to the assembling of the saints. This is important. So I hesitate to even talk about this because it is so tricky but I do worry that some people have hung up their boxing gloves. That some people have put their running shoes on the shelf. That some people have left their armor in the closet. That some people have laid down their weapons of war and they've given up the fight. And I hope they haven't given it up for good. I hope that in time they will decide to get back into the arena to step back onto the battlefield. But I, I do worry. I am concerned, but those of us who were here today and those those of you who are listening to this sermon or watching it later, you need to ask yourself, am I still in the fight? Am I still getting up every day and aiming to fight the good fight of faith? I just want to say this morning to you, the message of this sermon is quite simple. It's this, stay in the fight. Just stay in the fight. Just don't give up. On June the 4th, 1940, Winston Churchill, the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, gave a speech to the House of Commons in Parliament. The speech was given on the eve of World War II. And it's come to be known as, We Shall Fight on the Beaches. The nation and the world was entering into an extremely tumultuous season. This was about a year and a half before the United States would be drug into the Second World War after the attack on Pearl Harbor. There was to be great destruction and death in Britain and beyond. Nazi bombs would be dropped and soldiers and civilians alike would be lost. The people would become hopeless, the world dark. And yet, listen to these lines from Winston Churchill's speech. He said this. Even though large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into the grip of the Gestapo and all the odious apparatus of Nazi rule, And Christians ought to possess that same determination and tenacity to stay in a very different fight. The good fight of faith. Even when the fight is extremely hard. As we close, I want us to remember. I want you to remember. You do not fight alone. I asked you to look around you earlier But look around again. Look at all the people around you who love the Lord, who love His Word, and who want to see more souls saved. These people who have decided on a Sunday morning to be here rather than anywhere else. Christianity, the Christian faith, is a team sport. And every soldier belongs to an army. So we do not fight alone. We have each other's backs. We are in this together. And what's more, let me share this with you too. We are fighting on the winning side. We've picked the winning team. And if you only stay in the fight, you will win the fight. And so the enemy might be landing some punches right right now. And the artillery may be heavy at the moment. But all we need to do is just fight on. and Just persevere and endure. Because we fight on the winning side. We're on the winning team. And we fight on. So that. At the end of our days. We can say with the Apostle Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This morning, you have the opportunity to enter the fight, to align yourself with the winning side, to confess your loyalty. To your Savior, Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, I would encourage you to do that today. Or if you just feel like you have waned in your devotion, that you have left the fight, but you want to rededicate yourself to the good fight of faith. And this is an opportunity for you to come as well as we stand and sing. All my praise,